to the Beer Healer Interviews. I am your host, Chris Lukinenko, and I scour this big brand land of ours, looking under fermenters and behind mash tuns to find the best beer stories to share with you. The Beer Healer Interviews is now available on all major podcast services. If you like the show and want to help out, can I ask you to simply rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast service. Just leave a few words and a rating and the podcast gods will do the rest. By doing this, you'll help others to discover the show more easily and hopefully get more people interested in this great industry that we call craft beer. So this is another one of those episodes where I get to dive into a story about a brewery that I know very little about. It's Sunday Road Brewing. What do you know about Sunday Road Brewing? Have you tried their beers? Have you visited their tap room? Where the bloody hell is their tap room? Well, for those of you who are either shit at geography like me, or don't really know Sydney that well, as the crow flies, Sunday Road is about 25 kilometres southwest of the Sydney Opera House, closer to Cronulla Beach than Bondi, and with only a few breweries in the area, unlike Sydney's jam-packed inner west. It's a bit slower paced, which I think seems to sit pretty nicely with the Sunday Road Brewing brand. So, to find out more about how founder Brad Walker turned a Sunday afternoon home brewing hobby into an award-winning brewery on Sydney's southern beaches with his old mate, head brewer Mick O'Rance, welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews, Brad and Mick. Thanks, Chris. G'day. Thanks for joining me, fellas. Um, as I said, I've got a bit of no clue. I'm Tasmanian, so I don't really know the intricacies of the geography of you know Greater Sydney. And the, is is Southern Beaches the best way to describe where you are? It's probably Sutherland Shire. I think if anyone in the Sydney, oh, it is, it is the Shire. It's, the yeah. Shire thing always confuses me. Everyone always <laughs> talks about the bloody Shire. I was like, what is that? <laughs> it's funny. There are a few shires in Sydney, but yeah, this is sort of come to be known as the Shire. Some yeah, so that is the Shire, words. right. Yeah. yeah, when people call it the Shire, that's the one. Righto. Now yeah. I'm with you. Now yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, that's us. Uh, just one second, fellas. Oh, that sounded really good on my headphones. Same here. Yeah, thanks, thanks for sending me down a few samples and that awesome trucker cap. That was unreal. Yeah, um, the Enigma Rail in my hand. Tell me a bit about it. Yeah, that's our, our firstborn, which is um, celebrating its fifth birthday this year, actually. so Five years, wow. Yeah, yeah it's um, been around for a fair while in craft beer too. Where has the time gone? Mm. Well, we're about to find out, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Now, yeah. Have you guys got a beer in your hand? I have over the bridge. Yeah. Over the bridge. Yep. I've got the same one. Yeah, it must be yes. our latest release. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty warm day in, in Sydney, so yeah. good beer for a hot weather day. Nice. All righty. Let's, uh, let's get into this now. Oh, we've kind of got two backstories going on here with, with the two of you, how this whole brewery came to life, which I, which I really love. And I don't want to play favourites here and pick one of your stories over the other to start this whole conversation. So let's play a little game. I want each of you to tell me who is the most interesting person you've ever had a beer with, and then I'll pick my favourite one of the two to see whose story we're going to explore first. How's that sound? Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, sure. You, yep, all yep. Right, Mick, who's the most interesting person you've ever had a beer with? Uh, I'll just go for an easy one. Chuck Hahn had plenty of beers with him. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, nice. Brad, can you beat that? Uh, John Keeling from Fuller's. Okay, Ooh, yeah, nice. nice, nice. Oh, Wow. Well, um, John Keeling's a really interesting one, but Mick and I have got a bit of a, a joint love of Chuck Hahn here, so I'm going to go with that. <laughs> yeah, it ties in. He actually introduced Mick and I to each other as well, old Chuck. So, oh, nice. Yeah, so it's a good time. I heard from my network, Chris Sheehan, yeah. that, uh, that you might have yeah. tried to seduce the great man Chuck Hahn up at Jindabyne just so you could get into the game. Is this true, Mick? Me? I, I worked at um, 
Kosciuszko Brewing for about four years with Chuck sort of thing. So I was living down there working at uh, Threadbow and Perisher. Nice. And uh, and a little microbrewery popped up at the local pub down at Jindy. So I, uh, I popped my head in the door and had a bit of a, a look around and then did the old Google search and found out who was behind it. And then uh, and then I turned up at um, Malt Shovel Brewery in Sydney on a brewery tour and just basically asked if they needed a hand down at uh, down at Kosciuszko. <laughs> and that's literally how I, I got in the door. Um Rob Freshwater was was at the brewery Freshy. tour. Yeah, ah. Freshy was there, and uh, he said, "Yeah, mate, we um we don't know what we're going to do. It's a five hour drive, and we can't be down there for everything. So uh, give us your name and number, and uh, we'll be in touch." And that was literally my step from being a home brewer into commercial brewing. Oh, awesome! <laughs> for for those of the people that don't know Chuck Hart, I mean, he's a doyen of the industry, but Chuck always did his own thing. And my memories <laughs> of when Gin Debine got started was literally Chuck's got this idea, oh, boys, I got an idea to make a brewer. That's not even his accent, you know what I mean? But he had this idea that he wanted to create this brewery in Gin Debine and just even though, you know, there were rules and regulations, procedures to follow at Lyme, he just went and did it from all, all reports, So, uh, which then, uh, yeah, gave gave birth to the Kosciuszko Palo. Some, some of that stuff's pretty crazy, you know, like Chuck literally did just go and do it. and yeah. I did four years down there and then Chuck kept saying to me occasionally, oh, we've got a brewer leaving at Malt Shovel. If you want to move up to Sydney and brew full time, let me know. Um, we'll see what we can do. And when I finally did make the jump up to Sydney, we had meetings at the breweries and we had um, you know, sales guys and marketing guys come out from York Street and some of them didn't know and almost wouldn't believe that Kosciuszko <laughs> was a lion brand. They're like, what do I you know. mean? I, I'm, that, that's got to go through a set gateway to get a brand like that approved. And yep. I haven't seen yep. the paperwork. And, uh, he's amazing like that. And he'd cut through a lot of red tape <laughs> or bypassed a lot of red tape to get it done. He's, he did the whole thing, I'll just go and do it and beg for forgiveness later. Yeah. And it's a huge yeah. brand for, for Lions still yeah. these days, you know, the volumes. Um, it's it's a pretty decent volume for a single beer. Yeah. That, that, that was the whole thing too. At, at the time, like, you know, Cozzy was kind of almost playing in the same space as 150 Lashes. I forget exactly where they crossed over in terms of their timelines, but it's like, oh, you've bloody gone and made this ripping beer and Cozzy, and now we're going and making 150 Lashes underneath the trademark that maybe Cozzy should have lived. Ah, oh, you, you're creating problems for all of our uh, portfolio planning and stuff like that. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. You know, that beer, I, I started yeah. there in 2009. So, um, you know, Stone and Wood wasn't long out and about then, Stone and Wood Pacific Ale. So yep. um, I remember, you know, when I first started, I'd look at the monthly new breweries opening in Australia and there'd be one or two maybe at the most and we'll, we're probably still in the mid-hundreds, 150, 170 breweries yeah. Australia-wide. Yep. And, and how that's changed in the last decade is incredible. Yeah. 700, I think, look, now, aren't we? Bloody earth. It's massive. It's yeah. massive. What about you, Brad? Let's let's hear your backstory. Take us back to Sundays at your homebrew shed. What made you fall in love with brewing? Oh, look, I think there was. I'm a bit like a, a few people in the industry. I think now, and brewers particularly, that um, I, I was in an IT role. You know, I um, in, in the banking sector, but I had an IT oh, sort of focus. And I'm, the I'm sorry. Of, yeah, I know. <laughs> How many of the stories like this have you heard? Yeah, I've came from there too. Did you? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so, look, why did I fall in love? I think, you know, it's probably similar to a lot of those guys in that there was something tangible. Um, and I always had this yearn to, to create something from, in real life with my, you know, with my blood, sweat and tears that I could actually see or, you know, drink at the end of the day. And it, and it wasn't banking. Simple. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't banking. That's right. It's funny that. It turns out it wasn't. <laughs> so what, what were you brewing on back in the day in, in the home brew shed? Oh, look, you know, it, it sort of started really early on. If we go back for me, I used to follow my pop around and, you know, I'd just be 
um, you know, lugging stuff around and whatever. But I didn't really revisit it much more until um, I think I started to get a, a deeper um, oh, appreciation for beer around my 18th birthday, funnily enough. And, you know, I'm not going to say that was my first beer, but um, <laughs> it, it was the first time my uncle who's um, – from Czech um, with a Czech background, he came up to me and yep. just said, Bradley, all your Australian beer is shit, is what he said to me. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, what do you mean? No, it's not. It's great. Da, da, da. But um, anyway, he handed me, it was a Pilsner Quell. I still remember it. At that point, oh, that was awesome. a bit of a, you know, a flavor hit that I was, you know, unfamiliar with and I loved it from the start. So, I, you know, I just sort of it opened my eyes to everything beer-wise then. Um, but I didn't – and then, I, you know, I did the rite of passage that all Aussies do, well, a lot of Aussies do, went over to Europe and lived over there, so in London and, and drank lots of good beers, lots of good car scales and stuff. And then coming back, you know, there was just nothing like that to drink. So I was like, well, hell, I'm going to make some myself, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, and look, I pretty much started out – all grain from the start. Um, I think the system that I did the bulk of the brewing on um, was a, a Blickman system that I'd um, got. You yeah, know, okay. I sort of went in at a decent size. It was yeah. 80 litre batches and that from the Ketco. So I was pretty <laughs> popular with my mates. Rate, review, and subscribe. Three words that struck a chord in every sensitive 44-year-old podcaster who dreams of telling stories of craft beer. And something that I talk about a lot, but I really can get this little potty into more ears and therefore grow craft beer for all of us to enjoy. So even if you listen elsewhere, if you've got an iPhone, you've got Apple Podcasts, and therefore you can help out the show. Those three words, rate, review, and subscribe. And so, so Mix had this more traditional sort of route coming through a few breweries before getting into into Sunday Road. You've come from the the home brew and said, "I'm going to do my own thing." You mentioned Chuck Hahn introduced the two of you. Hmm. Uh, how did that happen? Well, that was you know it happened pretty early on when I well the, for me that I decided that I, I wanted it to be more than a hobby. It didn't take me very long to sort of switch to that. Um, you know that I wanted to make a business of it. And at that point, you know, it wasn't as viable. There certainly weren't that many breweries around. So I I went and um, probably a bit audacious <laughs> went and um, enrolled to go down to one of the CBIA conferences, which is now the Indies. Yep. conferences with you know just as because i i want i thought oh, i can just join as a um uh, i don't know some kind of membership yeah. yeah but anyway so i went down to that and, and I, that's where chuck was and you know what i just went you know what i'm just gonna i know who he is i'm gonna say hello and i did and yeah. he was really receptive and invited me to come down and brew down at um Ginderbine with him loves a chat yeah, yeah, and I think he got sick of me in the end, though, so he said, hey, <laughs> let me introduce you to Mick. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mick, was it uh, love at first beer for you two? <laughs> well, Brad, Brad, actually, first time I met Brad was at Malt Shovel. He came through with Chuck. Uh, Chuck was giving him the, the grand tour. And, uh, yeah, we ended up having a few beers at the bar after. And uh, remember Brad just said, oh, um, you know, give me your name and number and I'll give you a buzz when I'm down this way. Maybe we'll catch up for a beer and, and just, you know, basically chew the fat down at the, um, down at the forest lodge, you know, the flodge, which had a, <laughs> a pretty decent sort of, um, craft range on there. So yeah, that's, that's basically how it started. Um, every few months, Brad would give me a buzz and say, um, I'm running around looking at venues and, uh, trying to push me beer and all that. Um, you want to catch up for a beer to Sabo? So I'd knock off work at two and we'd meet up at the, 
the forest lodge and have a beer or two and then and just have a chat. And actually, the yeah, the beer you're drinking now, the first versions of that, we actually brewed together in my garage. Uh, yeah. And that was oh, pretty early on. So, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So the whole Sunday road thing was named after the fact that you had this Sunday-based hobby and you want to take that to the big leagues. What what was your initial vision for the for the business, Brad? Oh, look, it really was to, um, you know, bring it first and foremost to get those flavours of beers out into the market, um, but also particularly to bring it to the area in the Sutherland Shire. Um, I could see it was only very early days of people starting. There was certainly not the scene that Marrickville had at that point, but there were a few around. But I wanted to bring it to my hometown. So um, that was the vision to sort of, you know, brew really good beer and show that it didn't need to be an inner city or inner west or whatever that may be. You could do it. 20 minutes from there it's not as far as some of those guys might think but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's quite funny there's a story a few of the bottle shops would go into there and they think we're on the south coast and I'm like it's a 15 to 20 minute train ride from there please I <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it um so that was somewhere around 2016 if my research serves me correctly and then so what happened? You you had to go and do some gypsy brewing because other things weren't lining up, or what happened there? Yeah, well, look, at the, that, that's right. I, we I looked forever because, as I said, I was it was adamant that it was going to be in the area, and I just was looking for sites um, endlessly, and nothing was presenting itself. Um, so yeah, I was I was at this point where I'm either going to get some beer to market or or not, and I just sort of had a a good look at that model and I knew it wasn't something I wanted to do long term but um, I'd actually finished the um, course over in Adelaide with um, Nelson um, with the, through TAFE SA doing the IBD curriculum. Yep. So um, the opportunity came up to, to do a, a batch over there. So that's where the first batch was done. It was actually done in Adelaide. So what brewery was that? Was uh, it's at TAFE. Um, oh, you did at the TAFE, did you? Yeah, across from um, Cooper's there, yeah. Ah, yeah, someone else I spoke to recently. I'm not sure if it was Suburban Brew or Shapeshifter or someone like that. Uh, yeah, there's a few of us knocking around out yeah. of the, even the class that I was in that have gone on to make create some breweries. So, yeah. That's awesome. But, yeah, that, that was good, awesome. you know. So, yeah, we ended, I came out with an IBD kind of um, thing from that. But, um, yeah, so I, I did I, I did a bottle-conditioned version of Enigma over in Adelaide as the first batch that we did. Ah. ah. And then when you came back to Sydney, was it Waywood I think you were brewing with? Yeah, that's right. Yep, yep. So um, I think that was, again, that was Mick introduced because those guys were just setting up across the road at Camperdown. Yeah, that's right. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah, of course, it's right, right nearby, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, they're literally probably 150, 200 meters door to door from uh, Malt Shovel to Gerrig Lane, where uh, Wayward is situated. Yeah. yeah, oh, there you go. Oh, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah, yeah, I think they've taken the whole lane now, I believe. And so that was the first the first bottles that we saw come out, which looks very different to the the can I'm holding in my hand today, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's right. Um so yeah, yeah, that was the bottle. Even the first bottle was even a different shape. It was still 330, but it was a, the, a different shape. But there, once we hit it um with Wayward, we sort of we did uh bottle for uh, I wanna say Oh, two and a half years before we switched to cans. So it was like about two years as a as a contract brewer. What did you learn in that time? What was that helping you plan for what would eventually become the 
the bricks and mortar brewery? Was it a stopgap measure? Like, just explain what, what was going through your head around that time. Yeah, look, it was for me. It was a, a few things. I, I saw it as a way to learn. Yeah, for sure. Um, but also to to get a bit of a feel for the market and what the um, uptake on it would be. Um, and then, yeah, it was really, I thought that's a good way to, to, to keep doing this, to get some beer out, get a, a bit of a following while we um, find a site and, and build the brewery. Like it was, and it was, and I was kind of that pesky guy. I would never just hand over a, a recipe and say, oh, here's my beer. I'll come pick it up. I'd, I'd stay the whole brew day and, um, you know, I'd be asking a thousand questions and, and be helping and doing anything I could. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I learned heaps really. It was, it was hard yakka, I'll tell you. I mean, it was sort of, uh, it's much easier being able to, um, brew your beer and have your kegs where they are instead of, you know, if with a bit of a Sydney geography lesson, it's, it's not that far as the crow flies, but in the Sydney traffic to get to Camperdown from where we are <laughs> yes. a few times, it takes a bloody long time. So it'd take yeah. the best part of a week to get the beer out. Just yeah, okay. back and forth because, you know, I didn't have big budgets to hire trucks and all these kind of things or the facilities to do it. So, yeah, you certainly did it the hard way. And so at that stage it was just you, one-man band, Gypsy Brewing. Mm. When when did Mick come into the picture and when did you consummate that relationship, <laughs> <laughs> so to speak? So yeah, to speak. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was really once we were ready to um, open the brewery in Kirawee, Um we, yeah, I, I'd, I'd been, you know, kept in touch with Mick for sure. So when he, he was at this stage living um, at the Cascade Brewery down in Tassie. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier actually, yeah, interesting, yeah. Yeah, so, um, and I think just sort of everything aligned, you know, that it's, um, he was ready to move back to Sydney and, um, you know, it, it was, sounds, when we look back at the story, it sounds like it was just perfect and pre-planned, but yeah. it really just, come about quite naturally in the end. Yeah, there wasn't really much um, it wasn't really much future for me at Cascade. I basically uh, within ZX Ventures part of uh, ABI, the the option was to move to Melbourne um, and continue a bit of a project manager's role putting in new breweries. Um, brew pub and a bit of a production brewery for a couple of projects I had going and me and my partner Nick didn't have any family or didn't really know anyone in Melbourne. Um, and so, you know, with two young kids, we, we were sort of leaning to move back to Sydney, uh, or Brisbane. We're sort of tossing up. We got some family and, um, some friends up around Brisbane. So the options were, you know, move to Sydney and and find a job or, um, speak to a couple of breweries up around Brisbane and, and move up there. So we shouldn't gloss over the fact that you, uh, were there through the Goose Island project and that you got some really great experiences, um, at mm. Cascade. Do you want to talk through like, you know, some of your time there? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a funny one. It sort of jumped out of left field, the Goose Island opportunity. I was, um, I'd been at Ben Spoke in Canberra for probably over two years, two and a half years. I'd, I'd basically gone down, uh, to get the production brewery up and running, uh, for Rich with another guy, Craig Weber. So that's the the bigger brewery out at Mitchell. So oh yes, yep. I'd been down there and uh, was living in Watson, and and then you know sort of got the offer for what seemed like an amazing gig, basically being the Australian brewmaster for Goose Island, and you know setting up a, a brew pub and um, and basically then just looking after the brew pub once it was up and running. So um, it was it was amazing. I got to spend you know we went over and spent a couple of months in Chicago with with Nick and the kids. Um, and just hung out at the brewery, really spent like a week on the brew deck, a week in the cellar, 
a week at the barrel warehouse, um, a week at the brew pub. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> pinching myself some days um, yeah. how good it was. Um, but then, How yeah, much burnt county stout did you uh, drink <laughs> while you are over there? Mate, I tell you what, you, you don't realise or you don't appreciate at the time how sport you were, but we quite often, me and Nick, my partner, we'd have dinner and we'd be pouring bourbon county stout over vanilla ice cream as like bourbon county stout <laughs> affogados for dessert because <laughs> we had so much of it. It was amazing. So, we, you know, you blase about it. And now, yeah. I, you know, I'd give my left one for a bottle right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. It's, I got similar thing. When I was in New York a couple of years ago, I was in the, the Whole Foods and yeah. Bourbon County Stout at Whole Foods is bloody everywhere. Yeah. And and, I, and it didn't really ring to me at the time. It didn't sort of twig that, oh, you know, in Australia, this is really freaking hard to get and it's pretty special. And here I was sitting in front of all the different variants that they had of it. And I, I didn't buy more than maybe a bottle of each. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Even the sours over there, like you can get the sours at the supermarkets, like <laughs> Juliet, all those amazing sours that is, Sophie, and and you can just buy them blasé and, uh, yeah, you, I'd die to have some of that stuff now. I love the I've, sours. I've got one in my fridge which is which has been for a while. I think it's called Matilda. Yep, Matilda, yep. More, yeah, yeah, more uh, Saison, yet. I think, from remembering the Matilda. Yeah, I, I probably yeah. should drink that one, hey? Yeah. The sours, <laughs> probably. I probably prefer the sours over the, the Bourbon County Stout, really. They're you know, much more sessionable and, and better for our sort of climate, really. Not not um, as good over ice cream, though. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. But yeah, it was an amazing experience for me. Unfortunately, they, they couldn't get a, a venue sort of approved that they wanted, um, and it just was sort of slowly fizzling out. We had to make a decision. Do we hang in there or do we, we sort of jump ship and move back to Sydney or, or Brisbane? So um, Sydney was probably the preferred option because most of our family's in Sydney. So with young kids and having the kids grow up and you know, know their grandparents and their cousins was a big factor. So that sort yeah, of swayed nice. us. And then, you know, by chance – Brad had got to the point where he had a had a site and, you know, he had a brew kit on order and was ready to sort of install and, and start production. So it sort of fell. Very start. Yeah, it fell nicely. I basically moved back to Sydney, had about three or four weeks of looking around to get a place to live in and then started work in January. Awesome. So for the beer nerds out there, describe for them all the stainless steel bits and pieces you guys have got. Yeah, we're pretty small at the moment. We'd love to have a few more tanks. Um just a little two-vessel, 12-heck brew kit. Um, we have got steam, so it's quite nice having steam. Um, we've got three uni tanks and a bright beer tank. Um, hot liquor, cold liquor, 10-horsepower steam boiler, a uh, little um, steam-fired keg washer, and that's pretty much it. It's a pretty, yep. pretty small brew pub type sort of setup at the moment. So do you guys have your own canning line or do you bring in one of the mobile services? Yeah, we get East Coast in. Yep. They're in about every third or fourth week. As soon as we can empty the tanks and refill them and get that beer ready, we, we have them back in. So every three to four weeks, uh, we basically get those guys in and try and pack out normally three skews. So, Brad, when you were doing your gypsy brewing at Waywood, it was into bottles. Did you switch over to cans as soon as you started up the new brewery or were you already sort of starting to make that transition using East Coast back at uh, Waywood? Um, no, we were – yeah, we did it when we opened the brewery. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that sort of tied in quite nicely. We'd just done the the rebrand and that was ready to go, so we thought that was good timing to, to move it all yeah. across as we opened the brewery. Tell, tell me about the rebrand because the, the original bottles and stuff, they had sort of like a more of a, I don't know, an illustrated-type logo on it. You've really simplified things down into the green can and, uh, you know, changed the the, wordy, or the the lettering and all that sort of thing. Was it the fact that, you know, like many breweries when they get started, they're just like, oh, I've got so many things to do. I just need a logo. I just need some artwork. This this will do and we'll take a look at it later on or what was the story around that? Yeah, look, um, again, yeah, I think we did sort of 
get that first one out. Don't get me wrong, we put a fair bit of thought into it. And it was a, yep. actually an image um, on there of, of one of the beaches around here. So it was quite nice. Oh, and right. we still have a f- bit of love for that and people that can remember it. Um, and there was a lot of angst, actually, of us moving out of it. People like, oh, man, I don't want you to change it. But um, I was pretty adamant. I could see what the market was doing. And um, I was, um, yeah, just quite keen to get a, a pretty strong brand identity for us. And that's a bit behind, you know, that that green, we stuck with it um, and having it quite simplified. Because, uh, yeah, you know, like it, it, and probably still is now, but, you know, it was a pretty um, – cans and designs out there getting pretty um, – you know, complicated, and I, and I wanted to pair it back so that you could really recognise the Sunday Road beer from the get go. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so yeah, we went right through it. You know, it, it's um, you might recognise his lettering. Actually, I'll give him a shout out to Matt Vagoda. So he's sort of behind. I think he started Black Op with Black Ops and Revel oh, right. and yeah, all okay. of that. So yeah, worked with him, and yeah, he was awesome, and he's still part of us today. He helps us out all the time. So you've got Kane who handles marketing for you. I I want to know. Why did they not allow you to break into a, a rap verse with your recent beer delivery uh, Prince video? I mean, there are so many things you could have rapped about over that classic Fresh Prince track. What was the deal there? We weren't sure we were allowed to use it, I think, was well, the main thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, now you might get a bloody – you might get a tap on the shoulder from Subway with, with their ripoff of it. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. What have they done with uh, well? I'm not a fan. There's the young Kiwi actor who was, oh, I forget what superhero movie he was in, but he might have been in Deadpool too, actually. And he he raps really badly about giving up, uh, you know, hot chips for Subway over that same Fresh Prince of Bel Air um, backing track. Hey, uh, don't tempt me. <laughs> I grew up watching that after school. <laughs> yeah, same. Well. When uh, when when I saw the video, I started. I, was, I could hear the music slightly in the background. I was at work, so I had my headphones. On. I didn't quite pick up. I was like, "Oh, wow! Now this is a story all about how." <laughs> it just going. tied in in the end. Yeah, we're going across the Princess Highway to the Prince Hotel. So yeah, it was uh, seemed a natural fit. Not not knowing the uh, the the area until the very end when I put two and two together. I was like, oh, that's why they use that fucking track. Okay, right, oh, idiot. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, good stuff. Uh, speaking of marketing, I, I have to say I was very impressed this week when I opened the the beer care package you sent me. So thank you for that. It uh, it had a trucker cap in it, and I bloody love it. I think yeah. every brewery should have two pieces of merch: a trucker cap. And a T-shirt. I don't want to see bloody beanies or those fancy five-panel caps that the kids wear these days. Just a simple trucker cap and you bloody nailed it. So thanks for that and well done. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. But, yeah, we're, we're on the same page as you. Um, and I'm glad you like that hat because, yeah, we, we we didn't just get it off the shelf. I actually went and we got that custom made. Yeah, we, it's oh, really? pretty much. Yeah, it's our uniform, so we wear it nonstop, and we're I'm uh, not tired of it yet. So yeah, I'm glad you like it. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of them. They're just the, the very simple trucker cap. Yeah. Now, my business just recently produced some caps for staff, and they're all those bloody five panel fancy caps. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not wearing that. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm too old. I can't pull that off. <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm 45 years old, and I, I don't really love dad caps. I love just love trucker caps, and I'm happy with it. So yeah. you've done a bloody good. Hey, um. Again, speaking of marketing, you, you've done a great job this week and it was so bloody handy for me that uh, Crafty Point ran a story on you this week so I could yeah. see some pictures of your uh, of the great space you've created. It looks absolutely awesome and obviously I 
can't get up there because I'm trapped here in Tasmania. But uh, it was good to see. I just wondering what, what's the overall vibe of the place? It feels like really sort of cool and relaxed. Yeah, it is. Look, it's sort of we went and put a bit of effort into that tap room experience there. That so you could come in and, and be part of the Sunday Road brand and um, and and the. Um, locality uh so it's very green you probably can see that in the photos and and what um we've got a mural around the walls which is of the royal national park which if you sort of come up on a um eagle's eye view of the brewery we we neighbor onto the um the national park so yeah we've got the coastline along that painted through um and we've got a couple of one of our beers is named after the coast track walk in there um, so yeah, that's, that's that kind of experience and it's nice high tables. People sit around, you know, we've got the dogs and things like that family, but we, we have a really, um, varied, um, demographic too, you know, like it, it ranges right through from your 18 year old new drinkers to, you know, 70 plus, um, men, women and everything in between. We, yeah, it's, it's, Probably the thing I love most about it is the, the all sorts of people that we get in there, and everyone's just chilled. They just love the space. It's just a good place to That's hang around real. for a day. So, so back in 2015, 16, when you had the vision for what this place was going to be, mm. how has the the reality lived up to your vision? What's what did you have to remove from it? What did you have to add in? Um, look, I would have liked more space. I mean, and we're 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 actually trying to work on that at the moment. But um, yeah, it just came that that's probably the the biggest thing is we didn't have uh, enough factories around the area in in the in Kiriwi <laughs> that that I wanted to be in um to have it as big and and also it's a capital thing too, you know, like it's yeah. um especially you know just the way at we're structured it's um you know we haven't got big backing by you know any uh, secret investors or anything it's um you know we, we had to sort of build what we could um but as far as the um that little the space that we've got yeah really happy with it it's it's pretty much what i envisaged you know it was what that's it's that space for the community that i wanted to create from the start mick uh what what do you dream of going on with the venue what what do you want to see added in oh yeah more space like I don't think you'll go to a brew pub and sit closer to the tank <laughs> or the brew house. They literally sit. I'm paranoid someone's going to bang their head on one of the valves. The, the tables are literally leaning up against the, the tanks. So um, more space and more tanks for me, you know, just so we can, you know, we, we're too scared to go and chase too much volume because we can't, you know, we, we don't yeah, want to take enough. someone on and then not be able to meet our uh, obligation. Yep. So that's probably the biggest sort of hurdle for us at the moment is to increase yeah. volume for me on the brewing side. Um, so we need more space and more tanks really. So yep. going forward, that's my great goal. And what about uh, food? Are you guys doing the food truck thing or you got a kitchen in there? Yeah, it's food trucks at the moment. Yeah. Keep the variety coming through and, uh, yeah. That's, that seems the cool thing to do and a lot easier. We haven't got the space for a kitchen. We're, we're really tight for space. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, well, I mean, we've sort of got a, a few, we've narrowed it down now to the, the guys that we use and, and they all work well and they all have their own following, um, keeps it varied. But, you know, we, we may end up doing something like that down the track. But, um, yeah, for now it's working pretty well. Now, we mentioned before that you're in the Shire. What does that mean to Sunday Road? Is it just a place for you to set up shop or I get I get for the feeling that, you know, this is the place that you want to be and that maybe you have bigger plans for, for being a, a real part of the community yeah oh look it's it's home um for me like i'm 
Um, yeah, gosh, I'm probably, uh, I'll say 10 minutes um, from the brewery, um, which is a lovely change considering I worked in the city for 18 years or something like that. So that's um, that's that's nice. So, yeah, the Shire to us, that, that's certainly, you know, that, that's our home. Um, and, yeah, we, we're, we're not looking to move out of the area. We're, we're pretty steadfast on, on being here and, um, you know, just, yeah, showing that the area can produce some, you know, good venues like this. And, and we do do other crafts kind of um, produce and things like that. There's lots of great coffee shops and, you know, um, bakeries and all that kind of stuff. It's, um, yeah, we, we just, yeah, we, we'll be here for a long time, yeah. And, uh, and what about giving back to the community? Is that important to you yeah. as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Look, it's, um, you know, we, we sort of do it um, in all sorts of ways. Like we sort of naturally have teed up with um, local sporting teams, um, you know, lots of the soccer clubs, uh, mountain biking, mix really into his mountain biking. So we've um, naturally got some affiliation with those guys. So we help them on dig days and things like that. And, um, yeah, for fundraising, we, we, we sling up some cases and, and get involved that way. Um, and also just, you know, even last year when we had the bushfires, we were, we were donating out to the, um, the RFS, uh, and things like that. Um, yeah. And it's, I guess, comes across this in one way or the other there's usually a touch point that we know someone in the area through especially yeah. the brewery it's a really good way to link um how many people that you you have that you know in common because they all sort of know the beers or something like that and they can link it back so yeah it's yep. um you know we're, we're pretty entrenched in the area yeah just checking my notes here just wondering is there something i might have missed of course, the beers. How, how smooth, <laughs> isn't it? See that? Hey, let, let's talk about the beers for a second. Um, personally, I'm a fan of consistency and quality over big boundary pushing beers. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, I love creativity, but sometimes I actually really prefer simple beers with great taste. Where do you guys sit on this? Maybe this throw this one to you, Mick. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm probably in the same boat. Um, well, we've got a core range, really, and the core range is. Coast Track Lager, Enigma Ale, and Blackwoods Pale. Um, but we sort of gone out for the limited releases, but, you know, we did cryotherapy. That's sort of an unofficial core range now just because when we run That's out of ha- it. The, is it the hazy? The hazy, yeah. Yep. When we run out of it, the locals, are, they're in there pestering Kev, our barman, about when, when it's back on tap. Um, <laughs> we did a collaboration with Whitehorse, the local coffee roasters, and uh, we did a Vienna Lager. Um, we sort of brew a double batch of that and then split it in half and then add some um, cold brew coffee to it. Oh, yeah. Um, and, again, both those beers have got, you know, a, a smaller but a very loyal following and um, and they're pretty vocal about, you know, when you haven't got any cans available for them. Uh, they're like, when's it going to be back in cans? You know, I want to get some takeaways. So, What about six foot offshore the IPA? Again, that was, you know, it was a one-off trial to see how an IPA would go with our, with our regulars. And um, yep. I think we've we're probably brewed four batches of it now in a, you know, uh, once we okay. brewed it. So most of the ones we've done as uh, sort of seasonals or limited releases of sort of, you know, they're unofficially almost core ranges. There's not many. We've done one or two that we sort of thought, well, that'll do it. Um, but generally they, they 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 come out, they're pretty popular, and uh, we're brewing them again. So so chasing the weird and wonderfuls is not something you're really that interested in? Is that more because of that's your, your philosophy around brewing or just you don't really oh, have no, the capacity? I'd love to have, you know, Hopefully further down the track when we have more volume um, throughput through the brewery, if you get some more tanks in that, it'd be great to have a crack at some more out there stuff. Yep. But, um, yeah, at the moment we're, we're, we're you know, pretty traditional, I suppose, in terms of our range. Um, so lagers, Viennas, um, pale ales, IPAs, red IPAs. 
are, are sort of the bulk of our volume at the moment. Um, I'll tell you, this this Enigma Aussie Pale is awesome. How how good is Enigma Hop? Is that maybe your favourite hop, mate? Uh, we, we use a lot of Mosaic Cryo too. I really love that hop. Um, we yep. use Enigma. Um, what else are we using a fair bit of? Ooh, we're sort of on the new Eclipse too from HPA. We got on the Eclipse um, hops really early. Yeah. It was still 016. We had a... A summer oh, yeah. ale out called uh, Summer of 3.9. It was a 3.9% yep. sort of session summer ale. Um, and then through that, we, um, you know, we, we got asked by Michael Capaldo at HPA if we wanted to brew a beer for the Eclipse pack. Yep. So we did a sort of dark German Swartz beer um, with Which a little twist uh, with Eclipse hops. Um, and so six foot and offshore, the IPA has actually got a little little bit of Eclipse in it. Um, okay, yep. Mm. We'll put some of it in the the holidays, the coffee lager we did with Beer Cartel. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, so we're using that a fair bit. And um, I'll put my hand up for a bit of that on contract going forward. So Nice. Yeah, it's working out well for yeah, us. Cool. What do you, how do you feel about uh, getting involved in the, uh, you know, the experimentation side of, of, you know, bringing new hops into the brewery? Is that something you really like to do? Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you can grab something new and, you know, it's quite interesting. Um, we brewed cryo. We did a batch of cryo with that NZ107, which is a new hop out of New Zealand. So um, Eclipse was, was a great one. So anything new. Can that's you do me a favour for a second? Yep. Can you just give me a quick rundown on how cryo hops work? Yeah, they're um so they they're basically chilled when they when they process them. So they chill them down really cold, and it allows them to separate more of the vegetative matter out, more of the green matter, which is you know really useless ah. to the brewer. Yep. And it's sort of um the little lupulin glands, the little yellow lupulin glands that you see on a fresh hop if you cut it open. Yep. Um, they're like little waxy sort of balls, and they, they sort of go harder because it's so cold, and it's easy to separate it out. Um, if you so ask more bang for your buck. Yeah, so the, yeah, more yep. intense um, flavors and aromas, um, and and putting less in. So normally the ratio is normally about forty to sixty percent of a T ninety hop addition. Um, you'll get the same yep. sort of flavor profile on a cryo hop. So okay. for a brewer, you pay a little bit more for the cryo hops, but you use less. Um, but also they take up, they swell up and take up less wort in the in the kettle whirlpool uh, and in the dry hopping too. So you, you sort of get more liquid out the other side. Back. Yeah, you don't lose as much yeah. beer sucked up into the hops. But um, in terms of why the cryo are different to an old school T45, I'm not sure. Yeah, my understanding of T45s and T90s were that T45s were done cold and um, you got less vegetative matter in those as well. So maybe it's a new marketing term. I'm not really sure 100%. But, yeah, they're definitely processed. Are you saying that marketers are just trying to put some spin and some buzz on these things? Maybe the hop companies have got into, yeah, putting marketers onto their stuff. (laughs) 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 I'm not sure. There there must be a different way that that they process them. But um, for me, it sounds very similar. Fair enough. But I reckon, Brad, you'd be happy with, uh, you know, maybe getting more bang for your buck in in the uh, raw ingredients, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I love them. I, I think um, as soon as we put that the cryo version in, um, I was sold on them. I thought just the aroma and that too. I don't know whether there's, um, you know, it, I, yeah, no, I do know that is a part of them too. So yeah, I think on on all levels, it's they're they're really good. You know, we use them as much as we can, I guess. Yeah, the, the pellets too. The cryo pellets are a lot softer than a T ninety pellet, um, and it's yeah, probably just because there's more of that wax portion of the the hop in there, but. Um, when you get them in your hands and you rub them around, they really break up really easy. They're a lot softer, whereas some of the T90s um, can be quite hard and difficult to break up. So, yeah, it's probably yep. a better sort of contact with the liquid. How do you guys work together these days? Are you both brewing together or is there like a you know an idea session where you're going to create a new, new brew and then Mick, you go off and actually make it while Brad just sits and drinks coffee or something or what's the deal? <laughs> 
Uh, we, we still, we talk about the beers together, um, you know, as, as collaborating. I don't brew much these days, unfortunately. Um, but, um, yeah, we, as far as coming up with the beers, yeah, it's a, it's a discussion between Nick and I that, um, that well, we're due for a meeting life. actually. We're due for a yeah. meeting on the next 12 months of what sort of stuff we want to sort of target. So, yeah. um, that's something we've got to get on the schedule sooner rather than later, I suppose. So, yeah, um, yeah, there's out there and. Maybe you should brew a dedication to me. <laughs> what would you like, Chris? Yeah. Uh, I, I Look, honestly, I just want a really bloody good mid-strength session ale because I'm a 45-year-old man that's got children and I harp on about this all the time, but finding them, I'm, I'm currently in my ultimate beer, summer beer search on Instagram, just trying to find anything. So anything that you could do within that space, sub 4%, I'd be happy with because mm. I bloody love them. There's nothing worse than having, it sounds stupid, having to drink Forex Gold or one of the other, you know, mid-strengths when you don't really want to. But sometimes you just got to keep it keep it tidy. Yeah. Yeah, understand that one. So what about those the range of your beers in the future? Could we maybe see, you know, a barrel aging program, maybe a, a, a series of Shire-related wild hours using all the, the local uh, goodies coming out of the air? Or what about, I've got this as my best idea for you guys, a Cronulla Beach water goes. <laughs> Goza, Goza, you know. It's already got the salt in it. Just, didn't, you know. didn't Newstead Brewing do something with uh, the sewage treatment plant Goza or something like that? Or did, did, did they? they? No, I don't know if it was. I don't, maybe I don't it was, know. Newstead, Newstead did. Yeah, these maybe it was a desal. That'd be a bit. Oh more, yeah, okay. That'd be a bit more palatable, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. No, we'd love to get. You know, I love any sort of barrel aged beer. I'm not a massive fan of kettle sours, but. Sours are my favourite style of beer, so um, if we can get the space to put some wood in, um, we'd love to go down that path. Even, you know, stouts and stuff like that into bourbon barrels, whiskey barrels, um, English barley wines into those sort of barrels as well would be great. Um, but, yeah, it's, for us at the moment, we just need probably a little bit more real estate um, to have room to sort of set them up and and have the time to have the beer in there. Would it actually be something you're considering where you might actually – you know, have the current location as the small uh, brew pub and then create a production brewery or is that – do you want to have it all in the one spot? I'll leave that one to you, Brad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it, it's um, definitely now uh, taking up a lot of my thinking at the moment. We're, we're working on some stuff at the moment and extending our current site, so we're, we're hopeful with that. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll probably take it in steps that that'll be – um, until we outgrow that, and then we we would look, I'd say, to to get a production brewery um, from there. But we will we'll, we will um, we'll earn that right by the time we get there. It's sort of everything yep. we've ever done with it. We've sort of gone to that next step and on really solid um, footing before we've gone to the next one. And it's it's it has probably it's probably why uh, five years old that you haven't drank our beers, but it's it's given us a, a good um, footing to, to take these next steps. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it knowing is, that- It is a good model too. Like, you know, it's the model that I came from the background at Bentspoke where I moved down to Canberra and, you know, Bentspoke had Braddon Brew Pub up and running and firing on all guns. Um, and then moved to put a production brewery in not far away from Braddon. Yep. So you could do your volume. Yep. Um, do it, look after, Yeah, we'd love to look after the canning in-house. Um, just give us a bit more freedom on in terms of booking our schedule going forward. But yeah, for sure, um, it's certainly a, you know it's a, it's a great business model that I've seen with my time at Benspoke. But it's not something you jump into lightly, do you? Because once you get to that point where okay, we've outgrown this, now we're going to build a whole new brewery. 
need extra staff, logistics, bloody canning, all these sorts of things. It's it's not something you can just like, you know, okay, we're just going to do this. There's a lot of work and planning, uh, decision-making. Yeah, well, even, yeah, you know, when I went to Benspoke, I think me and Craig were out at Mitchell for probably 12 months um, just looking after getting the site prepped, slab, drainage, trade waste, you know, bulk CO2, big water filtration, getting all that stuff. So, you know, we were out there and we had contractors working. So you're sort of carrying that cost for a long time uh, and then installing the brewery and then installing the can line and all that and getting it all fired up and then going through the logistics of, you know, cold room storing it yourself. And, and, you know, initially we really only did 100Ks around Canberra when we first started canning um, Bentspoke beers. Um, So, yeah, it's, it's a huge, huge... And, and that's just the, the actual physical brewing side of it. You know, the, yeah. the, the stuff that comes around it, um, it's massive. Yeah, it's, there's no doubt. It's a massive task. Yeah. It's a massive task yeah. at any stage, you know, like just even getting us off the ground in our current state, you know, it was a gargantuan effort to, to get it off the ground initially. Yeah, no doubt. Bloody earth. Yeah, and then you probably probably double that to do the uh, to the next bigger size, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you will have also learned some things along the way from having – you know, done the smaller one, so maybe some parts of it are yeah. easier. But I just feel like when you get to that, it's like, okay, we're actually going to go completely all in on this thing because if we do this, we're talking about setting this up to be a business that we're going to run for X years, and it's going to feed my family, and maybe you know, maybe it'll be something I pass on to my children. That kind of it's it gets a bit more serious, is what I'm trying to say. To be honest, it's already that. You know, this moment if you're doing okay. it at our levels when you're, you know, funding everything yourselves and that, it, it's yeah, absolutely, it, it's your life savings. There's there's no shying away yeah, from it. It's yeah. all in. Everything's all in. And yeah, I'm you know, my, my, I've already started thinking about what, what you know whether you hand it on to your boys and whatnot. And you know, I, I know Mick had his um, son in there paddling out some mash the other day. So did a full birthday at eight years old. Yeah. Nine years oh, old. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Oh, I take my hat off to you to to have have the the guts just to um you know put it all on the line to say right we're we're going all in. I'm effectively mortgaging my superannuation in my house to uh, yeah. to you know fulfill this dream. It's yeah, it's gutsy. Yeah, some sleepless nights. Um, no doubt. No doubt. But at the end of the day, would you rather be doing anything else than creating great, amazing beers for you know people just to love? No, not at all. I, I, I would never whinge about it at all. I'm, um, yeah, very happy doing what we're doing. You know, you, you've got to have that appetite for risk, but, um, yeah, the rewards are there for sure. And, Mick, you've done a couple of other things in your life, including running a holiday park in Bishno in my home state. Yeah, Would you yeah. rather be doing anything else right now? No, I'm from a plumbing background, so, you know. Uh, oh, shit, you've, you've done heaps of stuff. I did a plumbing apprenticeship, but I did, did nearly 20 years' worth of plumbing. So, um, you know, I think – Half of my bad back is from my days digging trenches and stuff like that, or you know, been over a roof nailing gutters on. So, um, yeah, no, no, no desire to race back into that. I tell you that much. No, <laughs> no. And and with what I've tried from uh, of, of your beers, I don't think either of you should uh, give up this day job and go and do anything else. I think what you're doing is great. Loving the beers, love love the brand, love the vibe of the whole thing. I really hope one day soon. I can get up and come and pay you a visit at some yeah. stage. I've already already had a couple of Sydney trips cancelled because of this bloody COVID thing, but I'm I'm keen to get there at some stage, and I'm, I'm going to come and pay you guys a visit. Yeah, oh, we'd love please to do. You. Yeah, that'd be unreal. Yeah. Once again, thanks for the care package this week. Thanks for your time this afternoon. It's been great hearing your story. I think uh, people are going to enjoy this one. So um, have a great weekend and cheers to great beers. Cheers, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. 
If you have an interesting beer story and want to be a guest on the Beer Healer interviews, send me a message via my Facebook page. And once again, if you want to help out the show, a simple rate and review on Apple Podcasts or a follow, like or share on any other podcast service will do the trick. I'll catch you soon.